For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without OnX. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. OnX Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems things like hard starts rough performance and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup sea foam can help your engine run better and last longer simply pour a can in your gas tank hunters and anglers rely on sea foam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. That's SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. From Meat Eaters World News Headquarters in Bozeman, Montana, this is Cal's Week in Review with Ryan Cal Callahan. Now, here's Cal. A manatee, or sea cow, dubbed Molly, showed up in Galveston Bay, Texas last week. Oh, the manatee! That uh, manatee noise is not an actual manatee. That's my good friend and famous wildlife artist, Ed Anderson. A few manatees have shown up in Texas waters over the last few years, but they're not full-time Texans. As the winter water temps are too cold for their liking, and there isn't quite enough seagrass to sustain them. Sea cows need to eat six to eight hours a day, every day. The name sea cow starts to make more sense than manatee when you think of them as literal underwater grass grazers. What separates the sea cow from the land cow, other than the obvious, is their teeth. The sand on those grasses the sea cow munches wear down the frontal molars on their four rows of teeth. When a tooth wears down far enough, it gets shed and replaced by another molar that erupts in the jaw and gradually moves forward to take its place. Some studies suggest the speed of that dental conveyor belt depends on how fast the teeth are wearing down. Manatees feeding in sandier regions may replace teeth faster than those living in clearer water. Take a look into a one-year-old land cow's mouth, on the other hand, and you're staring at all the teeth that thing will ever have. Left to its own devices, out on the open range, it can live about as long as those teeth do. Once they're ground down by the grit and sand, it's curtains for the cow. That's all, folks. Back to Molly the manatee and her appearance in Texas. Now they've got manatees in Mexico, and they've got manatees in Florida. But they are indeed rare in Texas due to the cold water and lack of grub that I referred to. 
Texas Parks and Wildlife speculates that this particular animal was attracted to a bloom of water hyacinth. She's been hanging around Galveston, Corpus Christi Bay, and South Padre Island, which is a popular party spot for you spring breakers. So Molly may just be looking for love. Who knows? After all, the manatee or sea cow is speculated to be what those old sailor stories of mermaids were actually about. Gotta spend a lot of time at sea, or maybe South Padre Island, to develop that type of imagination. This week, the man who kinda killed a grizz with a pocket knife, a eagle that eats people, or is it? And so much more. But first, I'm gonna tell you about my week. A few months ago, I went down to Florida to do some fishing. We filmed that fishing for an episode of, listen up, Das Boat. Das Boat is a big, big news, as this is our first major fishing launch at Meat Eater. Das Boat is a really cool, funny, and just plain fun fishing series we put together. You can watch it on the Meat Eater YouTube channel. You're going to see a lot of locations around the south and southeast that anyone with a cheap boat can fish. On top of that, you're going to learn about these fisheries and some of the issues we all as anglers and folks who love water, water to play in, fish in, and drink need to know about. So, if you have not already, go to the Meat Eater YouTube channel or TheMeatEater.com and check out Das Boat. Episode 1 is up now, and you can expect new episodes just about every Thursday. Be sure to let us know what you think, subscribe, and tell your friends because I really like to fish and I want to go do more of it. All right, one last bit of housekeeping in regards to Cal's Week in Review and swapping animal noises. If you caught last week's episode of Cal's Week in Review, you may have noticed the bullfrog noise of an actual bullfrog. And many of you did notice that and you wrote in and you said thank you, which thank yous are hard to get sometimes. Thank you. Well, if you are new to the show or just can't pay attention for 18 minutes, we had previously and erroneously played the sound of a tree frog when referencing a bullfrog. That audio mistake brought in quite a few very serious emails, basically saying I had my anterior located in my posterior. But one good thing came out of this, which is a story of a similar threat. Let me set the scene by quoting the writer Nick Green, who wrote on the subject of wildlife sound swapping for a publication called Slate. Here's our very own Katie Finch as Nick. To watch the masters on television is to be transported to the natural, exclusive splendor of Augusta National Golf Club. The verdant course pops in HD, and Jim Nance's dulcet voice wraps you in a cozy cashmere quarter zip. Adding to the effect are the sounds of birds singing from their perches just beyond the fairways. Listen closely, and you'll notice that there seems to be a lot of birds at Augusta National, perhaps even a suspicious amount. Could it be that CBS is piping in chirps? CBS Sports was caught using pre-recorded bird audio from one state in another damn state. That's right. In one instance, folks watching a golf tournament in Kentucky were listening to happy golf course living birds in Michigan. CBS Sports apparently received an outpouring of calls and emails from bird watching enthusiasts who also happen to be golf enthusiasts, calling them out. All I can say is, I love it. Not the picture this paints of what bird watchers choose to do with their free time when not watching birds, but 
for what this all means. If you care enough to write in and harass me at Cal's Week in Review over a bullfrog sound that was not a bullfrog, or call CBS Sports to ask them why the hell they're playing bird noises from Michigan while broadcasting Kentucky golf, that says to me you care. You have a passion for wildlife. Thank you. I recently received an email from a listener notifying me that they were no longer going to listen to Cal's Week in Review, stating that, quote, I gave you a chance, but you just can't help yourself. Meaning that this particular listener wanted amusing conservation stories without having to hear about conservation. Well, to clear this up for everyone, it's not that I can't help myself, it's that this is the whole damned point of Cal's Week in Review. To fuel that fire for the great outdoors. Let everyone know, including myself, that there are a lot of other folks out there who think this conservation stuff is important and interesting. And that we need to step up on occasion and let the folks who manage our wildlife and wild places know we care and value these places and critters. So, thank you again. And please continue to keep me honest. Reminds me of a funny story told me by Anthony Licata, our editor-in-chief. He was musing on readers who'd get pissed about this or that and demand that the editors cancel their subscription. If the readers were way off base, the editors would write back with an explanation followed by cancel your own subscription. All right, I'm stepping off the soapbox to talk Texas news. On with the show. If you, by chance, are in the New Braunfels area and happen to run into a zebra, please call NBPD. A pair of zebra escaped a ranch, swam a river, and ran into town. The pair caused quite the commotion as they eluded capture. As of this podcast, one of the zebras has been tranquilized and recaptured, and the other remains on the lamb, so to speak. You know, a baby zebra isn't a lamb. It's a foal like a horse, but remaining on the foal isn't a thing. A person could make a joke about a convict striped outfit and a zebra stripes, but I won't do that because, as I'm sure you know, I'd rather talk about the fact that a zebra stripes are thought to deter flies who apparently have a difficult time when landing on striped black and white surfaces. They get close, but then they pull back just before landing. Anyhow, zebras are obviously not native Texans. They are native to the continent of Africa. In fact, there are three different types of zebra. The plain zebra lives in eastern and southern Africa, the mountain zebra in Namibia and Angola, and the largest zebra, being Grevy zebra, lives in the arid grasslands of Ethiopia and Namibia. Had there been a larger group of zebra running around New Braunfels, Texas, we could have said Texas authorities are dazzled by zebras, dazzle being the name for a group of zebra. Unfortunately, in this instance, there was only two escaped zebra running through town, which makes it just another day in Texas. For all you elk hunters out there, chasing turkeys is basically the same thing. I know the reaction you just gave me, but don't knock it till you try it and don't try it without on X. The Hunt app will not only help you find new areas on public ground, but I use it to find out landowner info to get permission on private ground that I see birds on as well. Onyx Hunt has a special offer for you. Use code CAL to receive 20% off your membership at onxmaps.com hunt and find more birds this spring. We've all seen plenty of gadgets and fads come and go, but here's one product that stood the test of time. Seafoam motor treatment. Lots of hunters and anglers know that seafoam helps engines run better and last longer. It's really simple. When you pour it in your gas tank, 
Seafoam cleans harmful fuel deposits that cause engine problems. I'm talking common stuff like hard starts, rough engine performance, or lost fuel economy. Seafoam is an easy way to prevent or overcome these problems. Just pour a can in your gas tank and let it clean your fuel system. You probably know someone who has used a can of seafoam to get their truck or boat going again. I guarantee you've listened to them because I use it you know, regularly. People everywhere rely on seafoam to keep their trucks, boats, and small engines running the way they should the entire season. Help your engine run better and last longer. Pick up a can of seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit seafoamworks.com to learn more. Now, a lot of you guys are familiar with the old hunting tradition of eating, you know, some organ, the heart or a chunk of liver off the first animal you kill. I had that when I was a little kid, and it was a big deal. Organ meats were always prized by frontier people who knew the importance of getting a lot of different minerals and nutrients. And, as often is the case, those guys were on to something. Because organs are among the most nutrient-rich foods on the planet. And you can get the same benefits your ancestors craved via convenient daily capsules from heart and soil made exclusively from regeneratively raised grass-fed and finished cattle heart and soils unique freeze-drying process means all those important nutrients are trapped in ensuring you experience every one of the benefits of nature's superfood in a clean convenient taste-free capsule find out more at heartandsoil.co and make sure to use code MEATEATER for 10% off your purchase. That's heartandsoil.co. Use the code MEATEATER. Hopping over to the scientific discoveries desk, researchers have recently identified an old fossil of an extinct parrot. If you've been listening to the Week in Review, hopefully you have picked up on this recurring paleontological theme. Folks go out and dig up old stuff, like the old poop I mentioned in episode 2, or in episode 11, the giant jawed worm. Then they catalog the find and forget about it. Eventually, someone else comes along, years later, and rediscovers the discovery. By hanging on to the old specimen, time and technology pass, and sometimes new techniques are developed, and voila! new species. Or, again, in the case of the coprolite, they discover incredible feats of gastrointestinal fortitude. If you missed that one, trust me and go listen to episode two and, you know, listen about number two. Back to the story. This latest rediscovery of an old discovery involved a 16 to 19 million year old fossilized leg bone, or since we were talking birds, we'll just call it a drumstick. This drumstick was misidentified as belonging to a giant eagle possibly capable of predating on humans. Oddly enough, a human-eating eagle, and I am quoting here, wouldn't have been groundbreaking in the ornithological world. If an eagle large enough to choose humans as prey isn't groundbreaking, I guess I have a lot more to learn about birds. Anyway, the noteworthy find was not a human-eating eagle, but that the drumstick belonged to the largest known parrot to have ever existed. The three-foot-tall, 15-pound parrot was a native of New Zealand during the Miocene. On paper, the bird is called Heracles, but the identifying scientists have taken to calling it Squawkzilla. (laughs) Sounds about right to me, and sounds like a good enough reason to not throw anything away. 
Migration corridors have been in the news lately. In fact, one piece of very good news is the Senate Environment and Public Works Committee passed legislation that will put $250 million in dedicated funds over the next five years to construct wildlife overpasses, underpasses, and culverts. This is a great start. The legislation still needs some work that I hope will continue as it goes to the House like funding on roads through U.S. Forest Service lands, but that's a topic for another show. What I want to point out is the big critters aren't the only ones to migrate. We talked about locust swarms last week. This week, it's tarantulas. Right now, as in this very instant, in southeast Colorado, the yearly migration of large, hairy, male Oklahoma brown tarantulas has started. The Oklahoma brown, or Texas tarantula, or Missouri brown, if multiple names are an indication of good spider versus bad spider, it's obvious that people don't mind this one, as everyone seems to claim it. Anyway, the Oklahoma brown tarantula can have a leg span of 4 to 5 inches and weigh up to 3 ounces. That's a lot of heft for a spider. In fact, a regulation tennis ball only weighs slightly over 2 ounces. Female Oklahoma Browns can live up to 40 years, and the males can have a 10-year run at life depending on when they hit sexual maturity. If you aren't a spider fan, don't go to southeast Colorado this month. If your timing is right, or wrong I guess, you will see thousands of tarantulas on the move. If you happen to be there, you can relax knowing that these predominantly male tarantulas out on the prowl are looking for love, not you. Additionally, they will die shortly after mating. That's right, baby tarantulas are produced through an act called semoparity, or suicidal reproduction. Don't get all judgmental and add suicidal reproduction to the list of reasons you may not like spiders. Salmon are a great example of animals on this list of suicidal reproducers, or semoparitans, maybe. And everyone seems to love that species. Anyway, back to the act. If you think that it takes you or your spouse a long time to get ready for a date night, let me tell you, it's nothing compared to what the male Oklahoma brown tarantula goes through. When the male Oklahoma brown gets ready to find a mate, he goes through one last transformative molt. Molt like he sheds his skin, but it's more than you think. The molting process not only includes the outer skin, but also the shedding of the linings of the sexual and respiratory organs, as well as the stomach and the mouth lining. You could possibly imagine this as the ultimate predate exfoliation ritual or detox, maybe. Additionally, the male seemingly transforms or emerges from this final molt as a different spider. He starts out as a sort of squat brown spider and emerges as a long-legged, slightly black-haired spider. Kind of like putting on your best duds before hitting the honky-tonk. When he eventually finds a female, after the exhausting act of molting and migrating, he dances a couple of hairy legs outside of her den, enticing her to come out. He seizes the female. A kind of standing coitus is performed. If the sexual act is a successful one, the female will lay eggs, defend them, hatch them, and go about her life for another 30 years or so, while the male will die in just a week or two. So, if you happen to be in southeast Colorado, watch your step. It's got to be bad karma to crush 10 years of hopes and dreams. Moving over to our Canada desk. We're going to linger here for a bit. A British Columbia man fended off an attacking grizzly by stabbing the bear in the neck with a two-inch pocket knife. 
The Campbell River man was mauled by a 350-pound male grizzly while descending a logging road on his mountain bike north of Powell River on the Sunshine Coast. I'm going to attempt to lay out the happenings around this mauling without sensationalizing this situation. You get enough of that in the mainstream media. Please let me know if I get out of hand. You know where to find me. All right, here we go. This British Columbia fella is heading for home on a logging road when he spots a grizz moving up the road towards him. I want to point something out here. To be clear, I have not been to this exact spot in BC, but it is safe to assume that the logging road is the only clear area. Thick, dense brush build up on the sunny spots, the shoulders of the road, and it's thick forest typically on both sides. So you can kind of imagine, you know, basically a tunnel. Continuing on. The grizzly bear continually approached the man despite the guy shouting and using his bike as both a barrier and a tool to try and keep the bear at a distance. Next, he threw his backpack as a distraction, which worked momentarily, but soon the grizz was back. Running short on options, the man then channeled his inner Giannis Patelis. If you don't know what I'm talking about, check out the famous Meat Tree episode of the Meat Eater podcast. He did that which is trying to uh, dissuade a bear from coming any closer by poking it on the head with a trekking pole. Stop for a second, again, and think of how close a grizzly has to be in order to touch it with a ski pole. The bear, unfazed by the ski pole, grabs the man by the stomach with his mouth and dragged him toward the roadside ditch. Hard to tell the exact order of operations on this next bit, but the man then tried to gouge the bear's eyes, peel the bear's lips back to remove the mouth off his thighs, play dead, then ultimately grabs his knife and stabs the bear in the neck with the two-inch blade. Upon being stabbed, the grizzly immediately stopped chewing on the man's legs, backed up from his victim, and gave the man space enough to drag himself to his bicycle. The man cut his shirt sleeve off, fashioned a tourniquet for his bleeding leg, and then rides seven kilometers to a logging camp. If you think this story is just a little too unbelievable, I'm right there with you. This is no small feat. The next day, conservation officers were able to confirm the knife wound to the bear's neck because during the investigation of the scene, the officers were forced to shoot the 350-pound grizzly for once again getting way too close and displaying signs of aggression. As for the guy who got attacked, doctors reported multiple wounds to his hand, torso, legs, and foot. The large cut to his torso left by the grizzly's teeth exposed internal organs, which were visible when medical personnel arrived, and the puncture wounds to his legs ran dangerously close to major blood vessels. In short, this fella had a damned close call. He is currently recovering, but is, quote, not a huge fan of being solo in grizzly country at the moment. The standard recommended procedure when confronted by a grizzly is to stand your ground. Do not run. Use bear spray as a deterrent and, in the event that the bear is not deterred, demonstrate that you are not a threat by covering your vital organs, or soft parts as I like to call them, and playing dead. The reasoning behind this protocol is that a grizzly will typically want to evaluate whether the person is a threat Sometimes they do this by a sniff. Sometimes they will roll, bite, and toss the perceived threat. If a person acts dead, then the grizz will move on to more common forage options. This fella did not have bear spray or a firearm that could have been used to deter the bear. Would those items have made a difference, or would we still have the outcome of a banged-up human and a dead bear? 
I really don't know. But what I do know is this fella did a great job in trying to prevent the situation without those items. Then when the situation went south, he fought like hell to survive. Every situation with a wild animal is unpredictable. I have been in the grizzly woods in similar situations and have learned my own lessons. I don't go into the woods without bear spray. I'd suggest you do not either. (laughs) Moving on, but staying in BC and sticking with critter encounters. A Vancouver woman used an animal deterrent much different than described above. While hiking on Vancouver Island, she found herself being followed by a mountain lion. At first, the hiker thought, just as I typically do, how cool, a mountain lion. Mountain lions are notoriously reclusive and are rarely seen in daylight hours. To record this unique encounter, the hiker pulled out her phone to take a picture when the cat started to advance. With phone in hand, technology at her fingertips, she scrolled through her music library and found Metallica and hit play. After the first few intro notes of the song, Don't Tread on Me, the then stalking cat leapt from the trail and was gone. Now, I wouldn't take this story as a validation of not carrying bear spray. I would, however, recognize this person's ability to stay calm and think in a potentially deadly situation. I mean, how many of you would have the level-headedness to look through your music library and remember that the notorious Metallica frontman, James Hetfield, is a hunter? That's all I've got for you this week. Thanks for listening to Cal's Week in Review. As per usual, tell your friends about how popular you've become and how much smarter you are for listening to Cal's Week in Review. Subscribe, download, and leave me a review wherever podcasts are streamable and downloadable. Tell me where I've screwed up or got things right or send any questions you have to askcal at themeateater.com. That's askcal at themeateater.com. Hey, I just sat down with the owners and operators of Maui Nui Venison. They're on a mission to balance access deer populations on Maui while giving back to the community and run a totally sustainable operation. For folks like me who want to get your own meat but aren't always successful, you can become a snack subscriber, get some access deer sticks sent right to your door. Visit MauiNuiVenison.com. That's M-A-U-I-N-U-I venison.com and use promo code cal for 20 percent off your first order outdoor adventure won't wait for engine problems things like hard starts rough performance and lost fuel economy are often caused by fuel gum and varnish buildup seafoam can help your engine run better and last longer simply pour a can in your gas tank hunters and anglers rely on seafoam to keep their engines running the way it should the entire season Pick up a can of Seafoam today at your local auto parts store or visit SeafoamWorks.com to learn more. That's SeafoamWorks.com to learn more.